Hello, and welcome to Tuolumne Talks Business, a show in response to the lessons learned during the coronavirus pandemic to inspire us to continue adapting and innovating so as to retain and attract businesses that will strengthen our local economy and assist our community in becoming more resilient. I'm your host, Cole Prisabella, Director of Innovation and Business Assistance here in the County of Tuolumne. And today I'm joined by Dave Snyder, Executive Director for the California Bike Coalition. Hey, Dave, thanks for coming on today. Good morning, Cole. Thank you for having me. Perfect. So why don't we just kind of jump in a little bit, very brief overview of what is that California Bike Coalition? Yeah, we are the state's policy advocacy organization to make California a better place for people who ride bicycles. And the reason why we do that is, is not just for the people who ride bikes, but it's for everyone who lives in our communities who wants to have a more equitable community, a more prosperous economy, more jobs, safer streets, and better health. It's it's really uh, getting more people on bikes is a solution to a lot of problems that we're facing. And we're about making the policies to make that easier. Okay, good. That's exactly what I'm kind of interested in. So in the sense of policies, like, do you mean like uh, legislative policies or are you working all the way down into like general plan policies as well from like a county level? The movement does it all. Groups across the state work on the policies at the state level and the general plans and bike lanes on the street. Uh, but our work particularly is at the state level with uh, policies at the State Department of Transportation and legislation about uh, sharing the road, for example, the the law that requires you to give three feet when passing somebody on a bike, that's that was us. We were the ones who got that passed. And, and, and I, I was kind of going through some of those, those policies. The one that I kind of found very interesting is maybe if you could go over SB 288 that just recently passed. Yeah, sure. That was a good one. That's a um, bill by Senator Scott Weiner, And it was a temporary... Uh, um, removal of some environmental review requirements for bike facilities and transit facilities. You know, the Environmental Quality Act requires uh, um, an agency to study the environmental impacts of a project so that when they vote to approve it or not approve it, they know what its environmental impacts are. Very uh, important uh, law that was passed a long time ago, but it was passed in a time when we we didn't understand uh, a lot about um, the environmental impacts of cars, to be honest. And it's often used nowadays to stop good projects on, on the grounds that, well, this might cause a tiny little bit of traffic congestion. You can't, you can't put in this bus stop uh, until you spend $200,000 and do this complicated study to make sure that it's not going to have a bad impact on traffic. And, uh, it's, it's used uh, very disingenuously by opponents of, of environmentally good projects, things that are, uh, you know, definitely good for the environment. So um, the bill would just say that for the next few years, if you want to build a bus stop or you want to put in a bike lane, you don't have to do uh, an extensive environmental study that could hold up the project in court for years. doesn't mean that you, 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 uh, you can't do it, right? You, you, it doesn't stop an agency from studying whatever they want, but, but it makes it not a legal requirement so that the 
handful of NIMBYs who say, no, 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 we don't want any change, can't use the law to hold things up in court forever. So to capitalize on SB 288, we actually already have to have some plans that are already shelf ready in the sense that in the next year or two, we could actually start to make um, them go through the planning process. We probably aren't talking about a path we have been dreaming about. This is a path we already kind of have plans for. Doesn't that seem about right if we want to capitalize on that? Yeah, do it, do it. I, I think it's, it's limited, so um, do it quickly. Well, I guess that actually um, comes up to one of my biggest concerns and ways that I think about this is I've lived in the Central Sierra my entire life. Um, you know my father and my father is an active avid bike rider and even in Calaveras County there's been an, an abandoned trail um, rail track since I lived there and they wanted to turn that into a bike path and it always came back to there's never enough funding for active transportation projects so how, how do how do we as a county kind of overcome that cost barrier because Tuolumne County is already moving down this path. We have a great active transportation um, coordinator from the Tuolumne County Transportation Council. They just got an entire, um, if you know Tuolumne County from Jamestown to downtown Sonora, they just approved looking into a study on how to make it an active transportation corridor with a nice trail for bikes and walking. But then also we have Vision Sonora where we have a lot of great things for the downtown Sonora, including the Dragoon Path. But it always does come back to funding so what are your what's your advice on that cost well that, that's that's the kind of work that we do Cole is try to increase the funding for projects like that across the state um, there's a lot of waste in transportation spending I I can't speak to Calaveras County to identify a project a widening of a roadway to save somebody five seconds uh, or uh, a you know super expensive traffic signal that that didn't need to be there because you could have just put in a stop sign. Those might those examples might exist in Calaveras County where you're spending money that is not the highest priority. Uh, you know you could have spent it on the path instead, but I don't know. But I can tell you that statewide, they're they're spending I don't know how many couple of hundred million dollars to add a, a travel lane on a highway in Los Angeles that's that's just going to get congested you know the week after they put it in um it's it's uh not the way we should be looking to the future of our transportation system in california the future of our transportation in california is going to rely on uh, people walking it's going to rely on neighborhoods that are self-sufficient uh it's going to rely on bicycling it's going to rely on transit and it's going to rely on cars but it can't rely on more cars it has to rely on fewer cars than we currently rely on today or else uh, we're just not going to have the economy that we want because we're not going to be able to keep affording uh to to uh deal with cars and their environmental impacts uh, not to mention the um the the climate that we want so um, so in, in that sense, kind of hearing what you said from an economic development standpoint as the director for the county, it, does it sound like that I should be advocating for dollars to fund some projects while we consider other Caltrans or other road developments? Or is there other locations of money other than like a Caltrans or a Department of Transportation that there are funding for these sorts of um, projects? 
the state provides funding for active transportation and we are seeking to increase that money. It's about $220 million a year statewide. Uh, and that project is totally eligible. And there's a, there's a set aside uh, uh, for rural communities. So you, you don't have to compete with the big cities, um, but the, the, the set aside, I, I think is five or 10%. So it's not, um, it's, it's not a lot of money. Um, we're working to increase the funding so that it's a little easier to get stuff like that built. Right. And how do we also, I saw that you were advocating for a hundred million dollar allocation in the Caltrans budget for bike safety and road repair. So how yeah. does that, how does that work in? How do we capitalize on that Caltrans pocket of money? Sure. Well, that's, um, that's not, uh, for new projects mm -hmm. that, that, and that was Caltrans is doing. Uh, that that what we we advocated for a change in policy at Caltrans and Caltrans uh, got the governor to veto our recommendation for a change in policy, uh, which was very disappointing. But they turned around and they said, "But you have a point. We're gonna uh, look at our policy and see what we can do." The policy that we were recommending is that whenever Caltrans goes in and repaves the street, they ought to put in bike lanes and sidewalks and crosswalks or whatever is appropriate, if it's appropriate, for safer conditions for people who walk and bike and take the bus, right? That yeah, was that, the policy. Okay, and, that's that'll be interesting because, I mean, I, can feas I see that feasibly being done in the Central Valley and Bay Area, but sometimes our, our Highway 49 the, the roads that Caltrans maintains in our region is they're tight and they're windy. And so I, as much as I want them, I've always wanted to bike from uh, Sonora to Angel's Camp, for example, but Highway 49, I, you're not getting me on no shoulder and with the bikes and the logging trucks that go on that road. So I think while that's a good, a good pocket of money and I think it's very important, I think what we also need to find is alternative routes, at least in Tuolumne County, because there's, there's other ways that we could get bike riders from Sonora to Angels Camp that's not a Caltrans-owned road and they're county-maintained roads. So I think it's also an advocacy from your part that public works directors across rural regions are also looking at alternative routes rather than Caltrans and sure. trying to well, allocate money for those types of projects too. Let me give you an example of the, the project that I was just talking about or the policy that I was just talking about. Um, and, and let me touch again on the $100 million. So what Caltrans said is that you're right, we ought to be making improvements to streets when we go in and repave them. And so they looked at their approved set of repaving projects called the State Highway Operations and, and Protection Program, the SHOP. And, and they, they said, oh, you know what? Uh, we could have done better. And in an unprecedented move, they said, we're going to pull $100 million. We're going to look really hard and we're going to find $100 million of savings in projects in here so that we can allocate that money to improvements that we should have had in, in there from the beginning. Um, $100 million probably understates their m mistakes, but it is a... Uh, still a great step forward for them recognizing that, yeah, we should have had these safety improvements in from the beginning. They're going to, they do this every two years. In two years, they're not going to have to set aside a special amount. They're hopefully going to do it right. One of the projects that they're going to fix from that, uh, that this set this year is in Lockford. It's a sort of small town uh, that has a, a state highway that goes through it. 
that has bike lanes on part of it, they're going to repave the highway and they were just going to put it back the way it was, even though everyone who lives there would love to be able to bike uh, to their local school and park and grocery store. And um, uh, they recognize that they made a mistake and they're going to fix it and, and they're going to change the project and they're going to put uh, bike lanes to connect a gap in the existing bike lanes that they already have. Awesome. I would love that. I'm going to definitely um, keep up with you on figuring out how to stay on top of Caltrans. And also I'll have a conversation with our transportation council on some of the different projects to see if we can talk about that hundred million allocation and what, what they did and what they're planning to do in our region. Cause it's a lot of it is Caltrans owned highways. Sure. And the, and the impact on, on local communities as an economic uh, development person, I think it's important to recognize how creating communities that are amenable to people walking and biking to the stuff that they want to do keeps the money in the community if it's really hard to bike a mile and a half to your local grocery store right if uh if, if it's dangerous if it's if there's a super high speed and you have to ride on the sidewalk or it just doesn't feel comfortable you're not going to do it. You're going to get in your car. And if you're going to get in your car, why get in your car for three minutes to the neighborhood store instead of, uh, you know, 20 minutes to a huge big box store where you can save, you know, $10 on your groceries, you know, cause it's a little cheaper at the far store. Um, but if you, if you, uh, if you don't have to get in your car, you're more likely to choose that shorter and easier trip. Uh, you're more likely to recognize that the car trip wasn't free. It feels free, but it wasn't. It actually costs you in gas and maintenance in the car. And it's not nearly as fun as a five-mile trip to your local store. And you're going to end up spending more money in your local store. And that local store is going to hire local people. And and there's going to be a multiplier effect that, that's, that's just going to be good for your community. And that's something that, that people don't recognize enough, that that creating um, safe streets for people to bike is as much an economic development strategy as it is a safety strategy or a health strategy. Well, I think that, that I agree. Cause I mean, when I think of Tuolumne County, there's only about a fifth of us that would have those opportunities. So I actually live in the city of Sonora. You're talking about a city of about 6,000. And then we probably would have about 4,000 that would have the opportunity that you said of riding less than five miles to a convenience store, which leaves about 40,000 residents that you're, you're talking too far of a, you're a pretty serious bike rider to get to a, a store. Um, and so that's where I think we're, we struggle from a rural region standpoint is that how do we allocate correctly when there are the vast majority of residents that can't necessarily ride bikes so how are we um allocating that money to those fifth that can ride bikes like myself because it, it you your your explanation of getting to a store on a bike is pretty similar like it is it's pretty sketchy a lot of times you're using um uh, just sidewalks and you don't always feel comfortable but i make the decision and i did make the decision to invest in another bike to to have those opportunities because i like getting out i don't want to drive my truck everywhere um, but I think the other way that we can kind of put the, the point getting to is that it's not just about residents too. It, it's, there's also a large component of this is tourism. Mountain bikes come to our region 
like none other. It is very popular, but I think I've been hearing a lot from yourself, Cal Bike, which is how I got uh, you to kind of be a part of this. And then also the Mother Low Bike Coalition talking about how bike tourism is also a, another way for economic development. So I'm, I'm interested in hearing directly from you. What are your thoughts on bike tourism, how that all plays into getting this allocation and safe trails and safe bike paths? Yeah, um, the idea there is that there are a lot of people who make their travel decisions based on whether they can enjoy a bike ride where they're going. You know, can they, with their families, uh, you know, ride around the lake or ride on a, a nice mountain trail? Because that's what they like to do on vacation. Um, there are there are uh, a handful of communities around the country that have become famous mm -hmm. for uh, destination biking in in uh, California nearby Downeyville uh, is is one. Um, of course, everyone knows about Napa and and also relatively nearby uh, Lodi is is known as a place that's fun to get on your bike and do a tour of the vineyards. So. Uh, there, there's opportunities there to bring people into rural communities that have disposable income and are willing to spend it at a and b at a local restaurant, uh, and, and in order to have some uh, wonderful time in the country and, and, you know, jump on the trails in the national forest and go for bike rides. And, and uh, it's un undeveloped there. And we're trying to, we're, we're working on this project with the Motherload Bicycle Coalition to to look at those opportunities and, and develop what's possible. I guess that's that answers my question, which was uh, how do we get our visitor bureau to see the potential positive impacts of bike tourism that Lodi and Napa they saw? How how do we how how do we make that sales pitch or really convince them that bike tourism is a really a good good path to go down of encouraging? Well, we're working on that. You got any advice for us? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say, how, how do we, how do we, I think it always comes back to numbers. So if you could show us the, the data, um, that always helps me make that sales pitch to supervisors who then also have ability to start leading policies and decision-making skills. Um, and then I think for, from a more, from the next layer down for a visitor bureau, I think it's just really about showing the, the example and then showing the very good potential of it. And I think you, Mother Little Bike Coalition and yourself are already headed down that path. I've seen the survey, I've answered your surveys on kind of what information you're looking for. And I think once you aggregate that data, that is something I think I could use to then be able to make this pitch of, this is why it's important, let's start heading down this path. Because right now we're we're heading down the path of, it's, 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 and it's an easy sell, right? We have Yosemite National Park, Columbia Historical Park, so our recreation to our region is, it's obvious, but uh, I see it and I'm, I'm probably a little jaded with having a father who's very interested in bike riding, but I, the, the potential for this region to be more than just a mountain bike kind of destination tourism, it's phenomenal. The, the bike riding is amazing. And I think what we should get into now is the, the electric bike component of this because it just changes the entire abilities and who needs to have a bike and how much skill you need to be able to just sometimes press a button and you get up a hill. I think I read it on your website 
electric bikes flatten mountains or something there yeah, exactly. that's a great saying because it's true like i've been wanting to ride a bike to work my entire career and my biggest hitch was i don't have a shower at work i don't want to be sweaty at work and so to be able to have that opportunity to like just press a button when i need to and also be able to ride when i want to the freedom of it it's i'm i'm excited so what what are you guys doing about electric bikes well yeah i'm glad you see the potential the electric bikes already outsell regular bikes in europe which is a place where people use bikes for transportation uh, people people get it and and it makes uh, bicycling so easy that that the the I'm not an athlete. It's too hard. Excuses uh, do not apply, right? I mean, it's, you still have to worry about safety, but even even then, uh, because you can go a little bit faster, a little more easily, uh, it, it feels a little safer on an e-bike, uh, according to some people. Uh, it, it it's amazing uh, what it can do to make bicycling feasible. You know, realistically, like most of us who ride bikes regularly. You know, I have a four mile commute. I used to, now I have a three mile commute. Well, now I have a 30 foot commute. <laughs> but, uh, when I had an office, we, I had a three mile commute and it was perfect. It was, it was exactly what I wanted. Uh, to be honest, when it was four miles and if it were longer than that, it would be a little long. And I'm, I'm you know, uh, a healthy guy. Uh, you know, let's, let's, let's be honest. People don't want to bike more than three or four miles very commonly. You know, they just don't. Um, and an e-bike completely changes that. An e-bike extends that to like eight or nine miles. In fact, studies have shown that, that nine miles uh, is the average length of an e-bike trip for people who commute. Uh, that's a pretty long trip. Yeah, that, that would actually, now you're talking about a distance that, a larger majority uh, if you are commuting to downtown sonora can do but yeah the the three to five miles that's for people dedicated to downtown sonora and within the suburbs of downtown sonora nine miles now you're starting to hit a couple more people um but here let's go along with me this is my pitch this is like let's put it all together so um create a pilot project with calby we're essentially we are working with Tuolumne County Transportation Council, where I got part of this idea from. I'm just putting it all together. We find the the right group of Tuolumne County citizens. I'm thinking like a small sample size, 10 to 20 people, and subsidize their electric bike to then get their habits on how they actually get to work. Did it change traffic miles? Did it change their ability yeah. to get to work? And this might actually be one business and we allow them to have their employees within downtown Sonora commute to work. Uh, and then, so we're finding out if a, a subsidy works for electric bikes very similar to your e-bike campaign that I saw you're already talking about. And then putting it together with the, the vehicle miles that have been changed but then that allows us to do what a transportation council had talked about a long time ago, which is study and understand the vehicle mile change so that then they can put that in as a mitigation measure uh, when a new business comes into town. So essentially, rather than saying you have to pay traffic mitigation fees, if you buy X amount of electric, electric bikes for your employees and your business, then that would be instead of a, in lieu of a traffic mitigation fee. I'd love that. Those are, those are tangible things that we can do now 
if we found funding, to then directly impact and have the ability to show supervisors who are making those policies that, hey, electric bikes is a great option. And then, then more and more electric bikes we got around here, the more funding we can get for some of those bike paths and upgrades. So that, that's my pitch to you. That, that sounds great. I'm in. Uh, we're all in. Uh, the, um, you know, and one of the things that you could do even to, to make that more palatable is, is have some kind of safeguard to, to, you know, provide those bikes to people who only to only to people who are really using them for transportation. And because e-bikes, uh, track every mile ridden, you can do that pretty easily and and you know I, I would i would recommend a program where you subsidize bikes for people and and then uh, after a certain period of time if they've actually used them uh they they get to keep them if, if they haven't they give them back and it goes to someone else who will actually use them so that so that you can you know ensure that the project is meeting its goals right uh and, and it's a great idea to use it instead of traffic mitigation because, uh, you know, you force a company to come in and you force them to pay for a, a wider highway. That doesn't do much for your local economy at all. But you force them to come in and help people get bikes in their hands. Uh, that's going to help people save money. It's going to put more money into the local bike shops. Uh, you know, it's, it's a way better uh, economic development strategy than, than making them pay for, pay for a new traffic signal or a wider, wider highway. Um, it's, it's also true that the law has changed. Uh, just recently, and the um, the environmental mitigation for traffic isn't analyzed according to congestion anymore, but rather vehicle miles traveled. So your traffic impact isn't do you cause congestion, but rather do you increase the number of miles people have to go or that are being traveled in your community. And uh, an e-bike subsidy program like that um, would do much better at reducing vehicle miles traveled than, than anything else I can think of, to be honest. I appreciate it, Dave. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you, Cole, and good luck with everything in Tuolumne County. Also wanted to thank you all who, who joined today. My hope is by talking business and working together today, we can strengthen our local economy, become more resilient, and encourage growth in ourselves, our community, and businesses. Thank you, and I look forward to you joining us next week.